0: Welcome to the Heroes of Brand Protection podcast, episode 13. I'm your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at RedPoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in the brand protection and anti-counterfeit domains from different industries, we are happy you could join us and please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward podcast. Today we are thrilled to be speaking with Christopher Horn, the former business and security and integrity group director at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. When Chris was a young boy, he wanted to be a Formula One race car driver. And then after that, he wanted to be a pilot. And then after that, he wanted to be a singer. And then he finally focused on being a police officer, which is what he did. Here's one of the stories Chris shared with us that I think you'll find very interesting. While as a police officer in London, he was asked to report an unusual incident. Little did Christopher know that he'd end up having a cup of tea with a worldwide star. Today, we're super excited to have Chris Horn, uh, the former Business Integrity and Security Director at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, join us today. Chris, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hi, how are you? Great, great to be here.
0: Well, uh, we couldn't be happier to have you. We're, we are excited to hear about your story and your journey and how you got into this space. But before we begin, I thought I'd ask you just to sort of loosen us up and get us ready for the podcast. If, if you could be a fly on a wall. Where would you like to land and listen to a conversation between who?
1: Where would I like to land? Well, I think it would have to be a, a nice beach somewhere because we've all been locked down for over a year now. So it has to be a better view. Uh, and I think the, the conversation would need to be with someone like Winston Churchill and my grandfather. Uh, because my grandfather was a engineer in the Air Force. And uh, obviously with Winston Churchill, I'd love to know some of those old stories for real.
0: That's awesome. Uh, listen, you know, sometimes when I, I think about that question, you—it's—I it, was thinking more of a business setting, but the fact that you put it on a beach is is awesome. Uh, that I think we'd all like to be there today. So, um, when you think about your history of your career and your personal life, is there a particular—I don't know—funny or interesting experience that you sort of recall a lot that you tell uh, that happened during your career or uh, personal life?
1: Yeah, I—I I look back fondly to my. 17 and a half, nearly 18 years as a police officer, and, and remember very vividly a situation when I was a rookie cop, and I was asked to go down and report a, uh, a break-in of a motor vehicle, and got there and found out that one of the people that was telling me about what happened was actually the flatmate of a famous music artist, Robbie Williams, And so we went up into the apartment and took the details of what happened as Robbie came back from a a gig that he had been um, performing at, still with some of his makeup on, and I sat there in his lounge drinking a uh, a cup of tea with Robbie Williams.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. I I would assume, like you said, there's probably one of those things we should sit in a pub. We'll probably get another 20 or 30 stories, but another day and another time, we'll we'll, uh, look forward to doing something like that. Tell us uh, what you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were a young a young Chris. What, what did you want to do?
1: You know, I think I'd like to say it was more than one thing. First of all, I wanted to be a racing car driver. I'm a, I'm a huge Formula One fan. And uh, to be honest, at six foot four, and, and I won't tell you uh, my size, but it's pretty tough to get into some of these small racing cars. So that was off the off the list. Then I wanted to be a pilot, not particularly great at flying and uh, don't like heights. So that one got too off the list pretty quick. And uh, maybe be a singer, right? Be famous and stand on stage and, and, and you know, be uh, enjoying that time. But can't sing a note. So I plumbed with wanting to be a police. At a very young age, really keen to be a cop and uh, and police the streets of the uh, UK.
0: Well, listen, you're that's a, a, a good story because not everybody gets to do what they wanted to do as a kid. Even though you had a couple that you had to check off the boxes, uh, not going to happen. But you did be able to follow one of them which is awesome. And then how did you decide from your days of uh, being a police to sort of move it in the world of brand protection, security? How did that transition for you? Yeah, I think um, by,
1: by virtue of being a police officer at various levels across um, a police force, you, you learn certain skill sets that translate naturally into the private sector. And obviously the public sector has, has that requirement too. There was an opportunity that arose back in 2012 to join Hewlett Packard, as it was back then, to lead their internal investigations and manage that.
0: Tell us about, uh, is there any, any anything specific in terms of your policing career to your brand protection career that was the catalyst? I mean, you felt like um, this was the natural progression or was there always sort of something in the back of your head that, you know, got you in this space?
1: I won't say exactly how many years, but let's just say 25 plus years of, of investigations and experience in, in managing situations where you try to figure out why something is happening, come up with a plan to resolve it and, and mitigate it. It was probably always on the card. If you look at corporate security functions, there are various avenues you can go down. You can go down the physical security side you can go down the internal investigations part as well as now the brand protection aspect. And if I look back probably 20 maybe years ago, uh, I actually did a, an investigation working very closely with the, uh, the music industry with regards to music piracy as a police officer. And that in itself was a, a, a real eye-opener for me as to how other companies other areas focused on different elements and obviously that was a different element of brand protection but uh that was probably the first part of my uh i guess my, my taste of what was to come
0: yeah sure and then for how many years were you at hewlett-packard enterprise
1: well hewlett-packard as a company separated in 2015 and so if you kind of include that and then hpe subsequently i was there for just under nine years
0: oh fantastic and um and then you have obviously been based in the UK. That's sort of where you've hung your hat in terms of where you've worked for uh, HP.
1: Well, I was originally based in, in the UK. I moved out to Houston in 2015. So I now have the benefit of lovely, sunny, warm Texan sunshine mornings.
0: Ah, so you're you're a long way from the English pubs.
1: I'm a very long way from the English pubs. <laughs> Sad and so. Uh,
0: that's all right. Um, And as you think back in your uh, career, what's the hardest things you had to do, whether, you know, not necessarily physically hard, but maybe, you know, mentally difficult or challenging?
1: I think the hardest thing for me has been to shift the mindset of delivering the strategy that I was looking to implement into a reality. It's very often said that in order to do that, you have to have the right culture. Mm -hmm and the right team and the right frame of mind. And a lot of work on my side has gone into developing and creating and cultivating that culture in order to deliver that strategy. Uh, Without a strong foundation, you're not gonna be able to do that. So that I think has probably been the longer term and probably the hardest thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think um, when I I was listening to your answer, I think about, you know, working in a large company, I had an experience as well, and I think sort of managing and influencing the the right people uh, are critical to that. And and while it seems like it should be easy to take a strategy and implement it, to your point, uh, navigating that whole internal uh, influencer process is very difficult. So that makes a lot of sense. And and let me ask you this, uh, Chris: How do you see you know your role? Uh, like this tomorrow? What happens tomorrow in these kinds of roles or in brand protection? What, what do you think happens? Yeah,
1: I think if you'd have asked me this question two years ago, the answer might have been very different. I think me as you know, coming into that space, it was one thing. And now he, here we are, I want to say post-COVID-19 because we're somewhat very much in it. But I think COVID-19 has, has dramatically impacted how we think about brand protection. Our ability to actually face-to-face and interview people has been impacted and that of course down the line if we get to that stage impacts our ability to negotiate directly face-to-face that in itself is one thing then you bring into the question of business continuity plans and how long this will continue for and how long do we have to do that what will that uh, impact us on on a longer term so I think if you look at it, it's not not one significant issue, it's a compounding issues building on each other. But ultimately, I think we just need to be able to adapt faster and think very differently. We need to look at our e-scraping and e-commerce um, monitoring capabilities and see how that fits into our business plan and our business models today. Also look at what's coming for the next couple of years and say, right, what do we need to do to accelerate that being ready to, uh, to deliver the next element
0: yeah I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense when I think about you talk about being able to adapt uh, because things are changing so quickly and of course they are, and that uh, makes me think about you know recently we've seen a lot of fakes and counterfeits products making their way to social media channels right uh, emerging from you know marketplaces do you see this? Uh, as a part of that change and um, wh- what do you think about that that sort of jumping the ship from sort of marketplace over to social media?
1: You know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think the question really comes back to how do we consume data? We look at data very differently. We, we look at information in a way that gives us that quick you, but I, I no longer sit down in the morning open the the broadsheets and look at the papers and and read through. I flick through news articles and I hit the highlights. And if it's of of interest to me, then I kind of maybe do a little bit deeper. And if there's a little 30-second video clip, listen to that and move on. The world has evolved into this super fast process, which has kind of bled into everything in our life. And as a result, the way that we look at information, the the way that we want information has created this desire for a, a faster turnaround, and I think by that very nature, social media, which is is phenomenal because it gets a lot of great news out into the uh, into the arena, can sometimes be to our detriment in in regards to you know illicit products in the market because people don't have that time and haven't carved out that time in their day to really do their own due diligence, and so therefore it sits on the shoulders of the brand owners We educate consumers and educate people to understand what is important, uh, what is real, and and how it's obtained in a legitimate way. So I think that's, for me, where where the risk sits.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. I think from a bad actor perspective, right, maybe the lack of friction in terms of what it takes to open up and list on one place or, or drive listings from another place on social media, those levels of friction seem to be a little bit lower, right? In terms of if you're a bad actor and looking to take advantage, um, there's a lot of places to go um, to continue the work of of a bad actor for sure.
1: Yeah, and I, I think with social media in itself, we've all seen certainly over the last I guess three to five years a, a growth in certain social media and then it disappears if you want to really go back to the likes of kind of MySpace. If any of us are old enough to go that far back, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, it was there and it wasn't. And you know, we talk about things like talk, and of course, you know, the likes of Facebook and uh, Instagram. OTA have been a bit of a mainstay more recently, but we don't know how long some of these will will be around. And of course, you have to therefore be looking at what is the next thing that gets material out into the market. What is the the way that um, the consumer base are using those? And figure out what kind of risk area those platforms create uh, for you as a, uh, as a brand owner and and then focus and partner and work very closely with those um, those companies as well to really understand the platform and understand its use because if you don't understand it you'll never help uh, fix it. Yeah,
0: very keen about that great answer. Um, when you think about your world in the business integrity brand protection space, is there a common myth or you know, people think about that role uh, that we need to debunk. Is there anything, or, or is it as clear as it looks like, or is there something we've got to clear off for people that it's more exciting than you think, or you know, more challenging? Was there any anything we should debunk?
1: Well, it's definitely more challenging and more exciting than you think by virtue of the things we talked about. Right, it's an ever-changing landscape. If you look at perhaps traditional investigations, those things continue to happen regardless. You know, things don't change a great deal from stealing something in an office well if they've done that then you know the only thing that's going to change is what they've stolen when they've stolen it whereas in brand protection you've got new products you've got new routes to market you've got new uh, platforms to do that The one thing I would probably say though to debunk and it's probably going to some uh, raise some eyelids when I uh, when I say it is the uh, is the, is the concept that we constantly hear and, and I kind of get that you know, prickle on the back of my neck every time I hear it. So I'm gonna say it very fast, which is whack a mole. I hear it all the time and it's the it's the phrase that frustrates me because to me, those people who are saying, you know, we're in this kind of whack-a-mole process of taking down one bad actor, moving on to the next, and so on and so forth, well I believe there's a there's a an element of that, that needs to happen, right? You have to have, you know, going back to my my English um days you know that bread and butter kind of work that you just continually do you have to start thinking that you don't resolve that whack-a-mole approach it's not working you have to think differently you have to adapt you have to think a little dirty you have to get in the weeds of the people you're tackling because if you don't and you don't understand their mindset and why they're doing things you'll never resolve it so you need to be more strategic i think you as a brand protection lead need to be a lot more intelligence focused and driven and start looking further up that tree.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that. It it causes a similar reaction to me, right, in terms of when when I hear that phrase, you have to have a strategy. You have to have a process, right? Because otherwise you're just chasing as opposed to deploying a strategy that solves the problem for your company. Um, Ellen uh, Shady, who's the general counsel for Keen Outdoors, I don't know if you know Ellen or not or the company, but if there was anything that the 20 year old Chris might do differently that would change the course of where you're at today?
1: Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think I would take a little bit more time to create a, a balance that delivers more harmony between work, life, and an ambition, and try not to really focus as much time and attention to what i thought was was growing my career by virtue of the number of hours in a day that i put into it rather than being a little bit more sensible and understanding the true value of time and i guess you don't start to learn that until you get a few grey hairs like me
0: that's that's great advice for i think that's great advice for just about everyone um and maybe following up on that chris uh, w- what advice would you give to someone a young person or someone who maybe wants to think about a career like you've had in terms of brand integrity you know security investigations brand protection is there something you would suggest to that person thinking about a career in this this industry
1: well I, I would give it I'll give the piece of advice that I would give for anybody in the industry in the same way I would give for people in in life in general which is surround yourself by good people surround by people with Understanding and knowledge of, of you and and the industry, people who can help teach you in, in a positive way, people who are well-respected and, and understand the the journey that you're about to embark on, but also um, willing to teach and educate you along the way. I think power um, is um, really kind of created through the transition of knowledge, and you know, if you've got somebody that will help you along that journey through that, then, then great. The other part of it, I would actually give for someone slightly further down that road, which is a, a great piece of advice that someone gave me, which I use a lot. And I think for those that have worked with me, they probably hear it too many times, which is that you should never regret the decisions you make. And I think if you stand by your decisions and, and work on that, and I think that's probably something I learned as a police officer, right? You, you, you don't ha- you don't have to stand in the street and ask, you know, bring up your boss and say, hey, can I arrest this person? You've got to make that decision pretty darn quick and... Uh, and move on from it. So you shouldn't regret it. And uh, those would be the two pieces of advice.
0: Yeah, those are good advice. Um, is there someone in your career that's inspired you uh, along the way, uh, Chris?
1: I think my, my inspiration has come from, from a number of different people in a number of different ways. Uh, one of the people who who I've been inspired by from, again, just going back to my, my, my point of reference earlier around um, grounding yourself with nice people positive people, people that say what they do and do what they say and are able to help connect the dots in, in the industry uh, would be a guy called Matt Drew, who I used to work with in Hewlett Packard. He is now the security director of Dyson. But Matt, to this day, remains a, a huge um, business um, confidant, friend, and, uh, and wealth of knowledge.
0: Awesome. Chris, following your podcast, our next guest will be Ben Okeke. Ben is the Senior Corporate Counsel at Amazon. I don't know if you know him, but whether you do or don't, is there something you'd like to know about Ben?
1: What I'd like to know about him is uh, how he defines success, either on a personal or business perspective.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we enjoyed having you today. We learned a lot about you, and uh, uh, we hope you enjoyed the session as well, Chris.
1: Absolutely, really appreciate the time and uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing more of the podcast guys.
0: It was very interesting to learn about your journey today, Chris, and the insights and tips you provided in the brand protection space were great. There were a couple takeaways that I thought maybe I'd share with everyone. Number one, post COVID requires us to adapt faster and think differently. We need to review how and what currently fits in our business model today. Number two, Surround yourself with good people, both at a personal and professional level. And number three, last but not least, you should never regret the decisions you make, but rather learn from them. Well, that's it for us today. If you liked what you heard, check out our next inspiring story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Make it a good day.